Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit alivechurchoc.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or Derek Dunn OC. The pursuit of life. And if I ask you today, what are you pursuing? What is life about? You talk to people, you know, what is life about? And they're like, well, you, you know, you want to get married, have, have, a, have a few kids, you know, and, and let your kids grow up, have a few grandchildren. And what do you want to do? Li- live life and prosper and, and, you know, buy a house. And, you know, hopefully you can, you can, maybe if you're really blessed, have a boat. And then what? You die. Is that the purpose of life? Is that what life is about? And many times the, the world, what are they doing? They're just pursuing just the, what the world says is success. We're living according to the world system. But as Christians, Jesus brought us out of that system. He brought us out of the worldly culture and brought us into a new way of living. When you sign up to follow Christ, what is he saying? The old has passed away, meaning not just your sin, but the old way of living. And now there's a new way of living. Some people, they want to keep the old way of living. But if we want to really follow Christ, if we want to have the life that he promised us, an abundant life, we've got to break out of the old system and into the new life. Are you here? In 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, the Bible says this. It says, but reject profane and old wives' fables. What is it talking about? What everyone tells you, the stories they tell you. How many know a lot of advice that you got wasn't good advice? Come on. How many of you got some friends that meant well, but their advice was not good advice? How many of you got some wrong investment advice from somebody who was well-meaning, and maybe it blew up in your face, been there, done that? And so what does it say? Don't go for the old wives' fables. Don't go for the things uh, and people's advice. They may be well-meaning, but, but they basically are not, they don't know the beginning from the end. They're not God. So what does it say? It says, instead of that, exercise yourself towards godliness. We don't like that word exercise. We got real quiet here. But what does it mean? Exercise means put into action, do the disciplines. And so it says that in order for us to be godly, we've got to exercise ourselves. Sometimes we pray, God, make me more like you. Well, you have to choose to be more like Jesus. Are you here? It's like going to the gym and saying, well, God, make me healthy. It's not going to happen. you got to put some, move it, move it, move it, move it, you know. When we were away and uh, we went for a, our, our vacation before we went to preach in Amsterdam and had some downtime and it was wonderful. And Susan and I, we were doing exercise every day. Why? I don't want to put on weight. I've been disciplined and I'm like, we can't put on weight on our vacation. You know, I did a pretty good job. But we were walking ten to 20,000 steps a day. I, I saw me recently, and there was a lady, and she was on there, and she had three uh, of those hash browns from McDonald's, I think they were. And she's like, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. And, Lord, kill every calorie in it in Jesus' name. That doesn't work. I've tried it. I've been there. I've done that. You've got to exercise. You've got to move it, move it, move it. Are you here? And so the same example, Paul is talking to here, Timothy, that you've got to exercise yourself towards godliness. If you just maintain the status quo, you're not going to move forward in God. You're going to move backwards. 
because there's so much pressure to keep us, uh, you know, from moving forward in God. That's why Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 14, he says, I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, towards the upward call. There's resistance. There's resistance to getting out of bed and exercising. When you go and you do exercise, it's called resistance training. You either put, you know, they have bands on there or you put weights on there and do weights and you got to push the resistance. And guess what? When you first start doing it, ow, it hurts. Come on. Come on. When you haven't done leg day in a while and you go and do leg day, some of you remember. Come on. Your legs are hurting for a week. And I keep doing leg day, God, because I don't want it to hurt anymore. If I keep doing it, it don't hurt. But if I stop doing it. It's hard to get back into the exercise. It's hard to get back into the discipline. It doesn't happen automatic. You can be saved for 30 years, and just because you show up in church doesn't mean you're going to be godly. Are you here? Come on, turn your neighbor side. I know some people like that. They attend another church. Come on. They attend another service. Come on, we're not here to judge people. But what's the difference? The world looks at Christians, and it's a joke sometimes. You guys are just like us. What's the difference? Because we haven't exercised ourselves towards godliness. And he goes on and he says this, and we've been talking about this this morning, verse 8. He says, for bodily exercise profits a little. I got two grunts and one amen. (laughs) Come on, exercise is good for you. But it goes on and it says, and it relates it to that. He says, but godliness or godly exercises is profitable in all things having promise of the life that now is and the life which is to come. So I put this up for you. Godliness is profitable all things, which means it helps you in every single way. When we apply godliness, and we're going to talk about what that means, it helps you in your marriage. It helps you in raising your children. It helps you in your business. Come on, it helps you as a, as to be a good citizen. In every area of your life, if we are applying the the principles of the kingdom and we're doing the exercises, this morning we had an opportunity for an exercise. It's called giving. Oh, Jesus, make me want more like you. Who is God? He's a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So if you're a stingy Christian, you're not godly. Some, and I met some stingy Christians. Some, sometimes it's, I'd rather do business with a worldly person that has values than with an ungodly Christian. Because they want to muddy the water. Well, we're brothers, we're sisters. Come on, give me a break. This is business. If I have a contract and we have a contract, I pay you money, you don't do the business, we don't, I don't pay you. But we want to muddy the waters and try to, but we're friends, we're family. Come on, all the more we should do things at a higher level. We need to have a higher standard. Come on, just because we wear a cross around our neck doesn't make us godly. You know, you can go to, the, we have beautiful lakes here around Mission Viejo Lake, and you can go to the lake and get in the beautiful water and quack like a duck. But that doesn't make you a duck. Are you here? Some of you just pictured, come back, come back, all right. So we can be in an environment, we can be around things, but what does the Bible say? It talks about the wheat and the tares growing together. And when you see the wheat and the tares, they look the same. And Jesus told the parable, but he said, but one day he's going to come back and separate the wheat from the tare. What's the difference between the wheat and the tare? The wheat has fruit. 
And what is God looking for? He's looking for fruit in our life, for what we call fruitfulness, amen? So it has promise of this life, the present life, and the life to come. So what really is godliness? Godliness means living for God. It means living for Jesus. What does it mean to be godly? Not that we're perfect. None of us are perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Are you here? I'm not perfect. I get to preach this message because God preaches it to me. And I have to live it and work. And then you know, I can share. And I'm qualified to share because I'm working it in my own life. Yeah. Are you here? But none of us are perfect. Only God is perfect. But what are we doing? We're exercising godliness. And I've been saved since I was seven years old. I've been in ministry for 30 years. And I'm exercising godliness and I'm getting better. And so are you. But if we just want to maintain status quo, we're not going to become godly. We can be like the tares. We have the look. Come on. We, we, you've been around church long enough. You know how to speak Christianese. Come on. Bless you, brother. When anyone says anything, what do you do? The go-to, get out of anything is, well, I'll pray about it. You ain't praying about nothing. You already determined not to do it. Are you here? And let me tell you, if the Bible says it, well, I'm not so sure about that message. It was preached, but I'll pray about it. You don't need to pray about it. If it's written in red, it's not a discussion. Come on. You can choose to be godly or ungodly. You can choose to obey or disobey. You can choose to surrender or you can choose to be rebellious. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. What does a gentleman do? He puts his arm out. And we take his arm and we walk with him. But he doesn't force us. Guess what? He'll keep his arm out until somebody takes it. And he'll walk. Are you here? So John 5 verse 24, Jesus goes on. Is it okay we look in the Word this morning? He says, most assuredly, what does that mean? You can bank on this. Most assuredly, bank on this. He said, I, 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 I'm not, not, not just talking, I'm preaching. I'm telling you truth right now. I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. What is Christianity all about? Believing him hearing his word, and if we believe it, it becomes a conviction. One preacher said this, and I've said this, you, know, you might have heard me preach it before, but it's good, so I'll say it again. God doesn't believe anything you say. He only believes what you do. How do we show that we love God? By how we live, by our obedience. Are you here? And I could go off on that and give you many examples, but come on. A man who says he loves his wife, but he abuses her, doesn't love his wife. A man who loves his family says, I love my family, but he doesn't provide for them. The Bible says he's worse than an infidel, than a heathen. Why? Because, and I'm not saying there's not a struggle sometimes when we're dealing with issues, but come on, it's, talk is cheap. People say stuff all the time. They even put words in God's mouth. Well, the Lord's telling me this, and the next week he told you something else, and the next week he told you something else. It's like God's schizophrenic. Every week he's changing. No, God says my word doesn't return void. It accomplished what I said. Come on, when the going gets tough, we have to keep obeying God. And we love the announcement. Come on. The announcement's great. God's going to do this. And we get these prophetic words. Amen. And then now it becomes work. God says, I'm calling you into the nations. I'm calling you. And then there they want to kill you because they don't like your word. Are we going to keep showing up? 
the announcement's there. It's like, it's like the, 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 the marriage, the wedding's beautiful. We're getting married. We put a ring on it, and we got this dress, and it's going to be food, and all the food tasting, and which dance are we going to do, and we're practicing. And then, and then guess what? We go home from the honeymoon, put the dress in a box, and now it's called life. I got real quiet here. And it's called life. It's called children. It's called diapers. It's called bills. Come on. It's called pressure. And well, well, I just fell out of love. You were never in love. You just had a fantasy of what you thought it was like. I didn't say that in the first service, so praise the Lord. (laughs) Are you here? Don't get in a fantasy. Obey God. You want a godly woman? Look at Proverbs 31. If she don't fit that criteria, keep looking. You want a godly man? And a man like, you know, you love me, you'll do this for me. That man don't love you. He's manipulating you. Are you here? If that man doesn't love God more than he loves you, don't, don't, don't even think about it. Don't be a missionary dater. Well, I'm just believing the Lord's going to touch his heart. Come on, how many people got taken out of church and out of the call of God because of that? And now they're, because guess what? People will tell you anything they want to to get you to, 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 to say yes. And then guess what? Well, I don't want to go to church anymore. Well, you went to church. Well, yeah, because I was trying to get you. Are you here? We, we got to have the right focus. It's not about what we say. It's about what we do. It, it's about what we believe. Because whatever you believe, how do you know what you believe? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you talking about? Come on, when you're not being careful. I've had some people under pressure and they blankety blank blank. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? It was in there alive and well. It was all, it was just you were hiding it. Come on. And it comes out under pressure. We look like, oh my, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde. What's going on? Because it was in there alive and well. Because come on, we can we can learn to talk. We know what to do. We know what to say. But God doesn't believe, he sees our heart, he, he, he sees our lifestyle, which is our godliness being exercised. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10, he says, And always caring about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who are, who are, who are alive are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, for the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies. There's a paradox here. Because life comes through death. None of us like death. People, people, some churches, we don't even talk about any of the death scriptures. But what's the cross? If you, if you don't have the, the cross, Jesus said, you want to follow me, take up your cross, which means what? It's die to the old way of life and follow me. So you can't follow him if you're not willing to die to the old way. Again, it's a new way of living. How, what happens? We go through the cross that we have to die to the old way of things. The way that we date is different. The way that we talk is different. The way that we live sexually is different. The way we handle money is different. Are you here? The way we act as a man, the way we act as a woman, it's different. We're now following and and dying to the flesh so that we can have life. He goes on and and basically is telling us that the Christian message is the complete opposite of everything the world exalts. The world doesn't say that. What does the world say? If it feels good, do it. That's how it starts. That's how it's in the 80s. Come on, if it feels good, just do it. I don't care what you say anymore. It's my life. 
and all this kind of things comes up. We, we go through life and that, and, you know, and I'm just going to do it, you know, if I want to do it. And now what do we come out? We, we determine what, if I feel like a woman, I'm a woman. If I feel like a man, I'm a man. Come on. If I feel like I'm an animal, I'm an animal. I mean, where, where does it end? You know, I can't help myself. There's no responsibility. Attraction is just attraction. And where's that going to end? It's the spiraling down of, 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 of the flesh and the destruction of society. Yeah. Are you here? Yeah. Come on. Thank God you don't do everything you feel like doing because sometimes I don't feel like getting out of bed. But guess what? If I don't show up for work, I'm going to lose my job. And then guess what? I ain't going to have a bed to get out of because I'm going to be on the street. Think about it. Our decisions, we become victims. It's, it's Trump's fault. We're still blaming Trump. Come on. It's my parents' fault. Well, you're 45 years old. You've been out of, home, you've been out of your home for 35 years. Why is it still their fault? It's that person that jilted me in high school. Well, you've been out of high school and had 10 boyfriends since then. Come we blame. It's, it's the woman you gave me. It's this, it's that, it's that. But what is it really about? Are we exercising godliness? Or are we a victim because we're still living under the old way of living? Are you here? God's... Standard is a different standard. It's a standard of his word. God's value system is a different value system. And being a believer is us saying, look, I want to embrace God's values. I want to live my life according to his convictions. It changes the way we talk. It changes the way we live. It changes the way that we work. It changes the way we treat women and we treat men. It changes our whole focus of family. It changes about what is this life about? Solomon said, vanity is vanity, all is vanity, except to love God and keep his commandments. This is a guy who had all the women. He had thousands of concubines, wives, people, but his life was a mess. He had all this success of the world. People would pay him tens of thousands of dollars every year for consultation, bring him gifts because of his wisdom. And in the end, he said, it's all rubbish. All the things that I'm pursuing, it, it's rubbish. What is it about? Pursuing God. Keeping his commandments. Embracing his word. So what is the pursuit of the Christian life all about? What is it about? What have we signed up for as we gave our life to Jesus, as we went and we did the water baptism, and I commend those, all the water baptism people, come on, the last week, praise God, exciting. But, but what are we doing? We're making a public declaration that what? When I go under the water, I'm identifying with the cross, with the death of Jesus, the old way of living, the old bondages. It's over. And when I come out, come on, I'm a new creature. Come on. And, and, and the, the, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it's now with me, and it's going to help me to live this life. That's the pursuit of the Christian life. It's about pursuing Jesus. It's about pursuing his purpose. We're not living for ourselves. Our life is not our own. And we need to get this because once it starts becoming my ministry, my money, my car, my house, me, 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 guess what? We're not, we're not, we're not in Christ because guess what? The Bible says he gave it all for us and now it all belongs to him. What is life about? We're a steward. We're a manager of it. Are you here? 
of what God has put into our hands. And so what is the Christian life about? Let me tell you what it's not about. Number one, the Christian life is not about accumulation. Your spirituality is not determined by how many things you have. Now, God has no problem giving us things. But what's our pursuit? What's stressing you out every day? Is it about I need to be more like Jesus and God needs to work on my character? I need to be a better husband? Or is it about money, money, money? I met some homeless people. And we want to help them get back into society and help them get cleaned up. And sometimes I talk to them and I said, look, we'll come. We'll help you to, to get some clothes. We'll help you. you know, we can help you find a job. They said, why do I want a job? Someone told me. I said, what do you mean why don't you want a job? Because you need money. You need a place to live. He said, I work 40 hours a week just to pay rent in an apartment that's too small. I can't live, and all I'm doing is giving my life away just to survive. Now I live on the street. People give me money. I have decent food, and I have a relaxing life. And my brain was like, ying, 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 ying. Like, that don't even make sense. But I could understand, amazingly, the logic in it. Because there's no pressure. Every day, life's the beach. Every day. And, and what are they doing? But the thing is, we're not supposed to just survive. God wants us to thrive. It's not about accumulation of things. It's about fulfilling the purpose of God in our lives. But the world, in the world system, how do you get to the top? By how much you have. Success is seen, seen by how many zeros you have in your in your. Business, are you a six-figure, a seven-figure, or an eight-figure? Come on, some of you are like, I like four figures. It would be great. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Let's get to six figures. And then let's get to seven figures. And let's, let's up, it, up your game from that and all of that. And, and, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with, with, with pursuing success, but what is success? See, so you're pursuing eight figures. You lost your wife. You're on your third marriage. Your body's a mess. You're sick. You're cutting corners and... Throwing people under the bus. And what? You died with a lot of money and no friends and no one likes you and your kids don't want to talk to you, but you got a nice boat and a big house that overlooks the beach. Is that success? Are you here? And God will prosper us, but he says he adds no sorrow to it. But what are we pursuing? Sometimes we come to God because God is good. Every good and perfect gift comes to God. So we come to God, give me, give me the gifts. Prosper me, prosper me. Give, give, give. We're not giving out of love. We're giving to get. Wow. We've tried the rest and it's not working, so let's try Jesus and see what he can do for us. Friends, that's not the motivation. It's not about accumulation. That's the world system. Luke 6 verse 30 says, give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away from your goods, don't ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back as possible. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. When we read the first part of the verse, it's uncomfortable. 
It goes wholly against our business training. It goes against who does something, gives without expecting anything in return. We, we, we want to we wanna invest in something because we want to return. We, we, we let people borrow money and we want to return. Come on. It's called Visa, MasterCard, and American Express. They'll give you whatever you need according to what they think you can pay back, but it's 22% per annum. Think about it. But God says give, but don't expect interest. Lend without having anything back. Love, that doesn't even make sense because we don't understand the kingdom. What is he saying? Everything we do, we trust it and we do it as under the Lord. And it doesn't say we're not going to get a return. What does it say? Your reward will be great. You'll be sons of the Most High for he, God, is kind to the unthankful and the evil. What is he saying? If everything we do is under the Lord, we do it being faithful what God's doing. When God tells us to lend, we lend. When God tells us to give, to give. When God tells us to go, we go. What does he say? God will reward us, not just in the life to come, but in this lifetime. So the way up is the way down. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's three steps back to move five steps forward. I've had times that God's asked me to clear out my bank account. I've had times where God's told me to sell everything I own. But I know it's not about accumulation. I trust God. And even if it doesn't happen in this life, I'm living for eternity. My wife's in financial planning, and we talk about long-term investments. Why? Because you want to live to the long term. You want to have enough money to retire if the Lord tarries. Are you here? No, I never, I'm not going to ever retire. I'm going to keep serving God. But guess what? I don't want to have to worry about money. I want security. We thought the long-term investment. But what's your long-term investment? Are you living for the 85, 90 years here on earth, or maybe even 100? Or are you living for millennials forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever in eternity with God? You want to talk about long-time investment. Are you sowing into eternity? Think about it. When I grew up in church, we would go to church and the pastor would say this, well, we'll see you next Sunday unless Jesus comes. Some of you remember this kind of thing. And then after a while, people stopped saying it. But let me ask you, I was sitting here and I was preparing this message and I didn't do it because I didn't have time, I just came back. But what if right now the lights went black? Pastor Derek's no longer here. People sitting on your left or right are no longer here. And the screen flashes and said, amazing, all over the world, people have disappeared from churches. They were driving their cars. They were on buses and they're no longer here. And they've been caught up in the clouds and there's a man on a white horse. Are you here? Are we ready to meet the king? Or are we like, Lord, please come two weeks from now because I need my bonus check. Because I got a vacation I'm planning. Or Lord, I, I want to get married and have one little boy and one little girl and a dog and a cat. And you disrupted my plan. True story. I've had people say that. I look at them and like, are you? Because life is about accumulation. We're living for this life rather than for life. And nothing wrong, have a dog or a cat, the Lord Terry. I don't care. God don't care. But what's more important, our plans or his plans? And if we get caught up in the clouds, say we make it, we stand before God and we're like, God, look at the nice house that I live in. Hey, God, have you seen my car? God, look at, look at my bank account. 
God, look at the new bag that's still in the box. I haven't even worn it yet. You think he's going to be caring about those things? What is he going to be caring about? How we lived our life in obedience. And nothing wrong with those things. I'm not saying have a bag that you like. Drive the car you want. But it doesn't matter. Our heart isn't towards those things. Some people, they treat their cars better than their wives. So concerned about their car and they park in the parking lot. We've all seen them. It irritates us. They took three parking spots. Park sideways diagonally because they're so afraid of a door ding. They hardly hug their wife, but they're out there massaging that car. Wax on, wax off. Are you here? Life is not about accumulation. Jesus taught about a life of giving. That success is about how much we give out, how much we pour out. And God says he'll make it up to us. Mark 8 verse 36 says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his souls? Jesus was talking to his followers. He wasn't talking to worldly people. He was talking to people that wanted him. And he was telling them, what's the point? You gain this whole world. What's the point? You get your eight figures and you lose your soul. Now you can have eight figures and still have your soul. I'm not saying you, but what's the priority? God will bless. People who walk with God, they were, they were blessed. Everybody who obeyed God and sacrificed, they were blessed. Jesus was not poor. He wasn't poor. People, oh, Jesus had, you know, moths, you know, had places to live, but Jesus had nowhere. No, Jesus was a traveling minister. His home was not here. But God, the Father, made Jesus and set up his whole ministry. There were wise men that brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Before he was ever born, he had a trust fund. That was equivalent to what kings had. Jesus was not poor. Somebody blowing your theology. I don't even want to go down that because I'll be stuck on it. We need to get out. But, but Jesus wasn't living for this. That's why they didn't recognize the Messiah because he didn't come to establish a kingdom and get the world to bow down to him. He came to establish the kingdom on the inside of people. It's not about accumulation. Matthew 6, verse 19 says, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It always comes back down to the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. What are we pursuing? Well, I want Jesus. Yeah, well, what are your prayers about more? Bless me, bless me, bless me. Give me, give me, give me. Or is it I want to know you? Because if you want to know him, you don't have to worry. Come on. Um, a woman who loves a man, that man will make sure she's taken care of. A man who loves a woman, a woman will bend over backwards for that man. She'll fight his enemies because of love. But we come, it's 50-50, and here's our prenup. No wonder your marriage failed. Are you here? And if you have a prenup, forgive me. But what I'm saying, it's a business deal. That's not love, and you need a proper thing. But what, what is love? It's trust in giving yourself. When you come together, I'm going to give myself fully to you, and you're going to give yourself fully to me, and we know the roles God's given us in his word, and we're going to do life together, and it's a lifelong covenant. Amen. 
Does that always happen? No, we live in a fallen world. Have you been divorced? God forgives you, but let's do it right the next time. I come from a divorced family, but when I got married, I'm doing it different. Are you here? And not here to put down. God's a God of second chances. We mess up. His grace is sufficient for us. But what is the ideal? No wonder we have problems if we start out on the wrong foot. Are you here? Whether we say yes or not is dependent by the size of the ring. Are you here? It's not about accumulation. Matthew 6 verse 31 says, So do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the pagans... The idolaters, the worldly people, they run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you, that you need them. So what I'm saying here is not saying just, you know, be poor and just have without and just, you know, take a vow of poverty and never have anything. No, no, no. If you give, it's going to come back. But when it comes back, don't get your eyes off of God on the gifts. Enjoy the gift. Enjoy the blessing. But it's for a purpose. And God will test us many times, just like he gave Isaac to Abraham, and what did he say? Offer him up. God will test. Are we willing? Is God still our first love, or we're now loving the gift rather than the thing? And I love my kids, and you know, and and but if my kids are just coming to me and just gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give I want an Xbox game. I want this game. I want the PS. I want this, Daddy. I need money, money, money. I need this dress. I need this. What am I doing when I see them coming? I'm going to be running the other direction. But come on, when they get in bed and they cuddle with me and say, Daddy, I love you, I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> because when you love, you want to give. But if they're just focusing on the gift rather than the love, that's where things are out of order. God wants our heart. Matthew 6, verse 31, it says, don't worry about what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're going to wear. The pagans do that. But what? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, being right with God, and all these things will be added to you. Come on, in this life and the life to come, but seek God above all else. Let's evaluate ourselves today. Have we fallen into the trap of accumulation? And we're driven by just more and more and more. And we're losing sight about the most important thing. Our marriage, our children, serving God. Have we, are we doing anything in our life that really has no eternal significance? We don't want to get to that place and we come before God and we didn't do anything. Instead of... Him saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come rule, and I'm going to give you hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands. He says, well, you finally made it. Because we didn't live our life the right way. Again, there's nothing wrong with having things, but don't put our heart on these things. Lot's wife looked back to the things she was leaving, and she became a pillar of salt. Rather than looking forward into what God had for her. The Christian life is not about accumulation. Number two, the Christian life is not about reputation. Do people know your name? We live in Hollywood. Everyone wants to be famous. We all got an Instagram account, most of us. How many people are liking us? What, what, are we, what image are we portraying? We got to post. Not that we got anything to say, but we just got to get a post out there to make sure people are looking at us. Are you here? We even have what we call the social influencers. And all they do is post stuff. But it ain't real. Elon Musk recently, they did an interview. I saw an interview with him. He's like, everything on, on social media is fake. Yeah. 
You only put your best photos out there. You know, nothing wrong. You can look at the influencers and laugh. You know, it's entertainment, fine. But if you're looking like, that's what I want. You look at the influencer. You know, I saw one influencer come in. You know, the mom and dad are there and they walk in the grocery store and they're all doing this little dance and stuff. I'm like, that is not real. In a real family, the brother's hitting the sister and hitting that. They're grabbing the Oreos from them. They're like, that's like, but they're kind of doing the little choreographer all makeup up and like, this is our family. That is not your family. It's not real. But we look at all these images, and the devil's really good at painting pictures. He's good with the bright lights. Have you ever noticed whenever you go to the dark places, they always got bright lights? All the flashing. Come on, you go to Vegas. It's the beautiful lit up city. But come on, in the back alley, there's darkness going on. There's darkness on the street. But he's good at attracting us to get us in the door. The disciples lost sight of serving Jesus. In Luke 22, they came before him and they disputed and they asked who should be considered the greatest disciple. Jesus said to them, the kings and the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But let it not be among you. What is he saying? That's not the system. That's not the kingdom that I've called you to. On the contrary, if you want to be the greatest among you, let him be as the younger, as he who governs, as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? He says, yet I am among you as the one who serves. What does he say? Kingdom of God, success is not how the world sees it. The world sees it who serves me, who bows to me, who, who do I have authority over? But Jesus says it's about who? I serve. He goes on, he says, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon him. And what does he do? As we read down, he goes on and he washes their feet. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, God himself did the lowest job of any servant and washed his disciples' feet to tell them this is how the kingdom works. In John 13, verse 13, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, I've washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Come on, life is not about getting the favor of man. One week they came and sang Hosanna to Jesus, and the next week they were singing Crucify Him. One moment they thought Paul was Jonah and they wanted to throw him off the ship and blamed him because they got shipwrecked. And then he got bit by a snake and lived and they wanted to worship him like a god. Don't live by public opinion what the world says. And I'm not saying we, we appreciate it when people are thankful or, or we impact them. But ultimately whose opinion matters the most is God's opinion. I don't preach so I can, oh, great sermon pastor. And sometimes people say it, sometimes people say nothing. But what do I live for? God approval. Did I do what he said? Did I preach what he said in red or did I water it down and put so much sugar on it that people loved it but it wasn't the word anymore? Are you here? Let's humble ourselves to serve others and do what Jesus has done. It sometimes seems foolish because what do people take advantage of me? What do, no, we do it as under the Lord. And guess what? We bring glory to God. And God will make it up about us. Let's examine ourselves. Are we more concerned about what people think 
Are we more concerned about keeping up with the Joneses in Orange County? Are we more concerned with what God says? As we go through life, we have to evaluate ourselves in our godliness. Number three, you learning something? The Christian life is not about self-preservation. We live in the world, everyone's trying to preserve. In the economy, we're trying to preserve our assets. We're trying to preserve our money. We're trying to preserve our job. We're trying to preserve everything because we're so afraid that the world's gonna, is going to be taken away. But that's what happens when your house is built on the sand. Jesus said you can build a beautiful mansion on the sand. And I don't celebrate this, but years ago, you know, all those mansions on the hills slid into the ocean because the foundation wasn't right. And we don't rejoice in that. But, but guess what? If our house is built on the sand, you can build some glorified thing. And it's all done through the sweat of your brow. But guess what? This world is spiraling down and it's going to come crumbling down. When you read the Bible, what does the Bible say? The economy is going to fall one day. We don't get excited about that. I hope it's not soon because it's going to be difficult. But a lot of people are going to get saved because they built their house on the sand. And it all came crumbling down. There's going to be a world world currency. Well, is it crypto? Do I need to buy Bitcoin? Don't ask me. I don't know. But what, what does it say? Build your, your house on the rock. There'll come a one world order. The Antichrist will come on the scene. It's all written in the Bible. We shouldn't be surprised. It's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen soon. But get, what does it say? Get out of debt. Don't be tied to this world system. Be an owner, not a borrower. Because guess what? When things crash, if you own something, it's still yours. But if you're tied to this system, it's going to affect you. That's a whole other message. But what are we building our house on? Are we, are we looking out towards others? Are we building our life around self-preservation? Just trying to keep what we have. Some people do that. They're so afraid of losing their money. People died with money in the mattresses. They died, died, you know, I had a relative die and realized they had hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they always lived and always act like they had no money. They said, that's how you keep your money, pretend you have none, you know. That's the world system. But in the end, they didn't enjoy their life. Their kids had heart. Is that success? It's not about self-preservation. John 16, verse 32 says, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and it has now come that you will be scattered, each to your own, and will leave me alone. And I'm yet not alone, because what? The Father is with me. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you would have peace in the world. And in the world you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. What is he saying? In the midst of everything, people praising me, all that, Jesus says it didn't go to my head, because I'm walking with the Father. I'm not trying to live a life of self-preservation. And no matter where I am, I'm never alone because God is with me. Hey, come on. You and God makes a majority. If you and God are in the boat, the boat's not going to sink. If you and God, Jesus is in your boat, even though it seems like he's sleeping, you're still going to the other side. When we're in Christ, he will be there for us. So commitment to Christ sometimes involves us dying to our own desires in order to see God's plans and purposes fulfilled. Sometimes it seems like a setback, but it's a setup for a comeback. Sometimes there's a, a, stepping, a stumbling block, but it's a stepping stone to something greater. And, and, and that's why the foolish things of this world have found the wise. Because in the world, it's all about moving here and throwing whoever you need to under the bus to survive. I will survive. But in God, we have peace. 
Do I have a crystal ball? Do I know everything's happened? No, I have prophetic insight and things, but we don't have it all figured out. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but guess what? It doesn't matter because if I've got Jesus and I'm walking with Jesus, come on, he will always see me through. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Tribulation, peril, shipwreck, whatever wants to be thrown, COVID. We're still going. Come on, there's like 10 different COVID strains now and all this other. We're still kicking. We're still going. There'll be something else, trust me. That's the world that we live in. We live in a fallen world. But we've got God. And God is the strength of our life. John 12, verse 23, Jesus said this, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in the world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servants will be also. What is he saying? If you're living for the lower life, it's like grasping for straws. You can't hold on to it. You lose the higher life, the eternal life. The Greek talks about the higher life, the eternal life, or the worldly life. If you're living for the world, you can lose your soul. But if you're living for God, what does it say? Even though it seems like you're dying, guess what? Even though the seed dies, it sprouts out and more fruit comes up. Come on. The enemy comes at us one way and flees. Things come as a setback, and guess what? We keep going. You're still around? Yep. You're still prospering? Yep. You're still being? Yep. Why? But God. What was meant for evil, it works for my good. So if I'm in the middle of a setback, look for your comeback. Are you here? And even if it doesn't happen in this life, God says it will. And if there's enough time, I believe it will happen. But if it doesn't, your eternity is secure. Your reward is in your long-term investment, not just living for the short term. In John 19, verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things will be fulfilled and accomplished, that the scriptures would be filled, he said, I thirst. He's on the cross. And a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled the sponge with sour wine and put hyssop on it and put it on his mouth. And Jesus, when he received the sour wine, he said, it is finished and he bowed his head and he died Jesus was never concerned with self-preservation he could have come off the cross he could have said Gabriel and it would have been game over they said if you're the son of God he could have said I am he because he did it before and everybody fell out into the power but he didn't because it wasn't about self-preservation he was kingdom-minded it was pressure. He sweat drops of blood. Science tells us there can be such pressure that really blood can come through your pores because of the immense pressure, your blood pressure. That's what pressure he was under. He said, God, if you could take this cup from me, take it, but not my will, but your will be done. He was kingdom-minded in all he did. When he said it is finished, the word there is the word Greek word teleo means it's paid in full. It's paid in full. He paid the price in full for us in that moment of pain and that moment of death so now the kingdom of God could be within us that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved and we can now walk in eternal life. 
Life isn't about accumulation. Life isn't about reputation. Life is not about self-preservation. Jesus emulated that. And as we follow him, are we really willing to follow him? Because sometimes that's the road that we have to walk. What is the Christian life all about? As we look here today on October 1st, 2023, what are the messages God's been speaking to us this year? What has God been speaking to us? You're here, you're still in the room. There are those that aren't because they were taken out. There's those that aren't because they weren't willing to keep walking with God. But as we evaluate our life on, on this day and we look back, what is our Christian life all about? It's not about how much money we've made. It's not about the successes we've had. It's not about the events. It's not about the vacation. It's not about all those things. What is the Christian life about? It's about transformation. How much more are you like Jesus this year than you were in January? Maybe we look and maybe we've taken some step backs, but I told the earlier service, I'll tell you, thank God, he's redeems the time. We still have October, November, and December. Come on. We can still put things together. But I believe God's been speaking. He's been speaking to us about courage for obedience. He's been speaking to us about our willingness, about surrender, all the messages that God's been speaking to us throughout this year, dealing with our hearts. Why? Because he wants transformation in our lives. He's not trying to hold things back. The world says, you're going to lose out, you're losing out. We want to be in control of everything, but we're grasping for straws. But when God is in control, you can rest. You can have peace. I have a lot of pressure. I've got businesses. I've got ministry. I've got people. Pastors call me all the time. All this pressure. But I sleep like a baby at night. I have peace. Why? Because this ain't my church. It's his church. It ain't my business. It's his business. It's not my family. It's his family. It's not my wife. It's my wife that he gave me that's been entrusted for me, but that's his daughter. And it puts a peace there. Unless the Lord builds a house, those that labor in vain. We trust God. We have peace because it's his. And what's my job? Am I becoming more like Jesus? And I realize as you walk down this road with God, the road gets a little narrower. It's not about major gross sins now or committing adultery or murder or, or anger. What is it about? Are we becoming more like Jesus? You go to the grocery store and you got your cart. You want to leave it in the middle of the street like everybody else does. And the Lord's like, are you going to leave that there? That's where the carts go. I've had the Lord do that to me. And I went and put the cart back. I was watching Instagram and Joyce Meyer came up and she, I felt good. It's not just me. She said she went to the grocery store and she'd buy too much stuff and get up there and found out it was too much. She wants to put all the groceries aside that she didn't want to buy. The Lord's like, you need to put that back. You're going to take something, put it back. And what God's doing, he's looking at our character. He's looking at our godliness. It's the little thing. You said something. The Lord's like, why would you say it like that? It's, it's our attitude. It's our Christ life. It's our transformation. Come on, I'm a work in progress. I, I've been saved. I've been in ministry for 30 years. But God's still working on me in the little things. And he's still working on you. We don't arrive. But are we exercising godliness? Are we working towards transformation? Because it's not about how much money I make this year or what I file on my taxes or where I went. It's how, how am I as a husband? How am I as a, as a father? 
How am I as a, a friend? How am I as a pastor? How am I, all those things. It's not the accomplishment. We've slain our thousands. We grew to 500 people. Whoa. It's not the destination, but it's the journey of transformation. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say? These things is what qualifies you to be a follower of Jesus. Not just in your knowledge, but your experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody can say Jesus. Anybody can wear a cross. But what really qualifies us to be a Christian? Not just that we're in the environment, but we allow Him to transform our lives. But notice here, it says you have to make effort. God will help you. Are you here? Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> God will help you. But you have to be the one to seek it. You have to be the one to add it. You have to be the one when you feel like talking, you count to ten and bite your tongue. You have to be the one that you don't react out of anger. You don't react out of frustration. You don't, and you submit your, your nature to God and say, God, I want your nature to be in me. It's transformation. And that's the thing people look at. Why are you so calm? Why you aren't freaking out? Why are you not stressed by the stock market? Why are you not worried about your job? Why are you not, because my life is not built on those things. I work hard. I'm not saying don't work hard. That's part of being responsible. But it's not about what I feel. It's about my obedience to God. And if I built my life on the kingdom of God, I have security for eternity. My long-term investment is protected and a great return will be my reward because that's what God says. But what does He want? He wants our heart. As believers, what's the thing God's looking for? It's transformation that we become more like Jesus, that we be transformed by the power of God and take on His stature, take on His nature and move into the fullness of God. That's the success of our life. As we end this year, as we pivot to the last quarter, ask ourselves this morning, are, are we distracted for the wrong things? It could be good things, but it's not God. Sometimes good is the enemy of God. There's a great book, great, a good is the enemy of great. Because we can settle for something. It could be good things. Mary was doing good things, but she wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's not, it's not about, it's about the transformation. We're transformed by the power of God. But what is it? It's our heart. Where is our heart? Are we pursuing God? What is our prayer? Is it gimme, 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 bless me, bless me, grow my business, grow my ministry, give me a husband, give me this, give me this. Or is it God, I want to know you. God, I want to be more like you above all else. And when we have that, God will give us all the other things. But we can trust God. Amen? We press on for more of His presence. We press on to know Him. That's why the woman could take that alabaster flask. That was her dowry. That ensured she had a good husband that could provide for her. And that day women had no identity, no rights. It was all about who your husband was. 
it was costly, more than a year's salary. But she took it and broke it and poured out and didn't keep one drop, every last drop. Because Jesus, I put my security in you. I put my source in you. And we don't know the end of the story, but I'm sure she had a good husband. I'm sure God took care of her. I'm sure God made it up to her because the story's told for millennials now about a woman who is willing to put her security in God. But what about us this morning? Why don't we stand on our feet? Let's evaluate our lives this morning. Let's evaluate our commitment to God, to His kingdom. Not, not even, let's not even talk about church right now. Let's not even talk about the outward things because we can just be doing those things. But where are we in our pursuit for God? Where are we in our love for God? Where are we in, in the transformation process that God is wanting to do in our lives? Come on, let's lift up our hands. Let's talk to Him. Come on, let's, let's get our focus back today. Come on, let's break out of the, 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 the spirit that's over this territory that, of materialism and, and the worldliness that tries to pull us and distract us and cares of this world and the pursuit of, of prominence, the pursuit of the wealth of this world. Come on. And for a moment, let's turn our heart. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let's, let's put our focus about Him. Let's put our heart into the one that gave His life for us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. And God, you call us back to the heart of worship. Call us back to our pursuit for you. Call us back to that place of transformation. Forgive us for getting distracted. Forgive us for turning to the wrong things. Forgive us for, for getting our priorities out of whack. God, we're coming to back to that place. We're coming to the pursuit of the, the, the life that you called us to. A life of surrender, a life of obedience, a life that's filled with a love and a pursuit for you.